Wow, I love it. Those ancient, ancient songs that stand by you for the ages. You know, Jen, your style on that just is sweet and melodious and spiritual. I mean, we know that songs like Amazing Grace and What a Friend in Jesus, they've been standing by God's people and believers for the ages of time. Thank you so much. And hello, everybody. Here we are again, and it is another part of the series of the Astounding Bible Revelations of the Universe, part 16 this time. And we're going to uh, continue with, uh, you know, our, our uh, episodic teachings about the last dragon. Uh, we talked about the five strings of resonance. The first string, uh, the great star dragon, part of the angel wars. Uh, the second string uh, of the primitive earth. Um, there's a story there of actual living, uh, literal actual living dragons. And uh, the third part was the string uh, of the dragon uh, as to the principles of of darkness uh, from Adam to present time. We're going to sort of touch on part of that today. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> there's so much, it'll take us a while to get through it all. In my, uh, my broadcast announcement, I mentioned about the face of Moses. And uh, there's some interesting things that people have not uh, understood about how that the face of Moses uh, was brightened, it lit up, and um, the people could not handle the glory that came from his face, so he had to wear a veil over it. And Paul said, you know, the word, the message, the, the, the secrets, uh, the things that are uh, hidden in the glass darkly, uh, in his time, in his age, was still in effect. Uh, people had not uh, overcome, had not advanced to a place that they wanted to see that glory. They wanted to see that shining face to face and to understand what it really meant. Well, we do need to understand what it really meant, means. Uh, in Exodus uh, 33, 11, uh, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again unto the camp, but his servant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Uh, we're going to see that um, the meaning here of speaking face to face uh, between Moses and God is not what it seems like it, it says. It's different from that. And we have to always understand that uh, translation is not the same thing as interpretation. Translation just moves uh, terms from one language to another language. And so if there was uh, undisclosed things in the terms of the, of the original language, there will remain undisclosed terms uh, in the translation, if it's a good translation. And, and um, 
uh, it must be understood then that it is really interpretation that is different, that interpretation that can come by the Holy Spirit and be revealed uh, that makes the difference of what a scripture is saying or not. Uh, we looked at this uh, uh, verse 11 that I just read to you in the 33rd chapter of Exodus, and when it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face uh, as a Moses, uh, pardon me, face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. There is something there that you really need to understand. Because if you if you go uh, in the same chapter, chapter 33, to verse um, uh, 20, and it says, And he said, Thou canst not see my face. This is God talking to Moses. Because Moses, in the 18th verse of the 33rd chapter of Exodus, said, uh, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. What he wanted to see his persona. He wanted to see him like face to face, actually. And then God answered and said in verse 20, uh, You cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And, and, and uh, the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will, and will cover thee with my hand uh, while I pass by, and will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. And, of course, we've interpreted that in the past, that the back parts, the glory of the back parts were, were the angels that he would be able to see. Uh, but that was a very, very important revelation. But you would not see my face face to face. But yet, when we read uh, in, um, you know, in the, the scripture, uh, uh, verse 11, it, it sounds like to the average person that, that we have a contradiction here that Moses actually did see face to face. But the scripture really doesn't say that. What the scripture says in the 11th verse, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, uh, as, as, a, a, as a man speaketh unto his friend. So, so the, the face to face thing in verse 11, uh, or, or the, the face of God shining means message direct from God via the Holy Spirit. So, so this face-to-face -face thing was properly interpreted a, a message from God. So that means when the Bible talks about God's face shining on you, that there is a message in that, and, and that he is speaking by his, by his holy word and his holy uh, metaphors uh, to you a message. And, and, and that is a face-to-face -face message of God. And not a face-to-face, -face, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, persona uh, of God's glory. Uh, but we can, we are able to see the back end of God, the lesser presence of God, as revealed in the angels. And so that is a very, very important uh, understanding. Uh, once we have that, it helps us to understand how important this revelation is about the 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 face of God and and the shining shining of the face of God, and uh, you know uh, David in Psalms twenty seven nine he wrote and said hide not thy face from me, and in Psalms thirty four sixteen he talked about the face of the Lord is against them, so 
this thing about the face of God is much more involved and exalted than most people would give it a credit. It's not a personal persona relationship, but it's a coming into the knowledge and wisdom and understanding of the messages of God. Now, as we begin to to take note of this, uh, it, it helps prepare people for, for what to look for. Um, in Psalms 80, uh, verse 3, uh, David writes, Cause thy face to shine upon me. Again, in Psalms 102.2, hide not thy face from me. And, and there's other scriptures along, along that, uh, that whole meaning there. And, and we see in Isaiah 6.2, it talks about the cherubim. With twain, uh, he covered his face, uh, you know, and uh, there, there's something about this, this revelation of, of the face and the covered face and, and the uncovered face. Uh, again, in Daniel uh, 9.17, cause thy face to shine on thy sanctuary. <clears throat> so, cause thy, thy spoken message to be Holy Spirited to the church, to the sanctuary, you know. And uh, Matthew 17, 2 says, His face did shine as the sun. Um, uh, Matthew uh, eighteen ten. Uh, it says, uh, his angels do always behold the face of my Father in heaven. So, we need to understand this so that we do not continue looking through a glass darkly. We need to understand uh, the face shining message of enlightenment. Just imagine what the people in the time of Moses lost because they could not uh, see and understand the message that that was uh, shown into the face of Moses. If they could have looked and had been able to read his aura, to read the message in that aura, it would have been uh, it would have been something that would have taken them back into the ancientness of the ages and the ancientness of time, <coughs> even before even before time. Uh, if they had just been faithful to to uh, trust God and to, to live correctly, they could have had that experience. So what is this about? Why are we talking about this? Because there are, have been messages from God, but they have not been revealed. They've been hidden beneath the veil because of the, the darkness that is in the world and in the people. But God is wanting to deliver the people from the darkness. He's wanting to take off the veil. He's wanting to show the people how that they can read these messages, which are messages going back beyond the beyond the beyond. And, and, and that's what's happening with this, the, this revelation of, of the manifest word, uh, you know, because um, we've recently learned that when it says go ye uh, go ye into all the world that the translations in most cases come from the word from the greek word uh you know which means universe 
you know, and that is so very important, so very important uh, for people to understand the, the, the message is go into all the universe. And someone says, yeah, well, I can't live long enough to do that. Well, you don't know that. You don't know how long you could live because this, you mean, you, you're ta are you meaning that you can't live in that, that house that you're in, that, that you might have to change houses? Well, sure, we understand that. Uh, we understand that in the spiritual sense and in the truth sense, you can out, outlive uh, your, your physical body house. Uh, that that uh, God has a, an, another, another body for you, and, and you just keep going on and on and on. And you have to understand that uh, to understand why it's important to denote the message of, um, of ancientness uh, is, is a reality. It is something that God wants us to know. Now, just going to have to move through this with a little bit of speed because I have so many important things to cover. But uh, we talked last week about um, a burst of chaos that suddenly erupted in the Jupiter-Saturn asteroid belt. Um, we talked about um, how that there was a battle of the angels of good and bad. And in a fury of angel war caused by uh, a huge asteroid, or I should put it like this, a, 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 a fury, a fury, uh, F-U-R-Y, of angel war, war caused a huge asteroid to jump its orbit and, and make a, uh, a burst uh, uh, change or an abrupt change of axis uh, from the Jupiter-Saturn uh, belt, uh, and it burst uh, into being uh, catapulted by uh, a dynamic ejection of rock hell to planet Earth. And um, we, we read you all kinds of scriptures uh, about this rock that came from uh, the Jupiter-Saturn uh, uh, theater uh, containing a major ast uh, asteroid belt. And um, uh, it was it's compelling. It's very, very compelling. Um, we read uh, Acts 19 through 37 and 34 through 36 verses uh, about the... Um, you know, the image uh, that fell from Jupiter. And we showed how that the Jupiter thing is always connected with the Saturn asteroid belt because both Jupiter and Saturn are gas planets and they do not have a firm uh, type of, um, of surface that, that you can even land on. So the rocks that would be coming from Jupiter or from Saturn would be coming from the Jupiter-Saturn asteroid belt belts that are that are um, w uh, within the uh, theater of uh, of uh, of uh, Saturn and uh, Jupiter, and we talked about the names that are in the Bible. You know that that uh, the uh, Raphan R E P H A N. Uh, <coughs> we talked about. Uh, the, the name Saturn also that is uh, uh, Kawan, uh, K-A-I-W-A-N. Um, we talked in the Old Testament uh, uh, of Amos 5, 25 through 26. Uh, we, we talked uh, how that in Jude 13, that, that in the Greek uh, word, uh, you know, uh, wandering stars literally means planets. So 
we gave scriptures, and, and you people that want more information, you need to go back and listen to last week's teaching because it was absolutely incredible. And how that the languages change uh, the, the names. But all these names, uh, even though they represent like Saturn, each one has a slightly different meaning. And and so like like uh, the Saturn in the Akkadian means bell. Uh, that's an important revelation because the name Bell is 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 one of the name the name uh, one of the names of the father of Nimrod. And um, we begin to uh, you know to get into all these uh, revelations and revelations like uh, you know uh, the the Canaanite name uh, Astaroth. Um, and uh, how that that even that name uh, can be found um, uh, once having been a, a, a village, a living place uh, on the Golan Heights, which are connected to the uh, to Mount Mount Hermon. <coughs> so the connections just go on and on and on. They're nothing to sneer at. They're nothing to look lightly at. We talked about the stone that wiped out the dinosaurs. Uh, we we made the point of the image of uh, that is uh, of stone that is described in Daniel two forty four uh, through forty five and uh, and Daniel two thirty one uh, and this image is important because it's it comes up in Revelations a lot the image of the beast so um, there there is so much to consider in this as we. Uh, also go forward and, and look at some of the teachings in Daniel 7 and also uh, in Revelations 18, 21, etc. Uh, we, we, um, we, we just know that God's got a message. And um, when it talks in Revelations 13, 11 through 12 through 15 about make an image to the beast, uh, there is a connection. This goes all of the way back to the wars that happen on Mars, and to the wars that that happen on Saturn between the the, the, the angels uh, uh, that were dark and evil and the angels that were light and good, and uh, we read the incredible scriptures uh, in Deuteronomy thirty two thirty seven through forty three, Deuteronomy thirty two uh, verses thirty seven through forty three. I lift up my hand to heaven, um, and then. We read about uh, 32.17 and 32.18, the rock that beget thee, and how that we explained that unless the dinosaurs had been killed off, that there really would not have been a place on earth for uh, the uh, generations of, of humans that were to be the, uh, you know, uh, uh, hu the humans with a soul, uh, the fallen ophanims. And um, so... We, we begin to understand terms like, uh, you know, uh, the lowest hell, uh, uh, as in uh, Deuteronomy 32, 22 through 24, uh, can mean pit or crater. And um, uh, we, we see the connection there. I mentioned the scripture earlier in Revelations 18, 21. So we talked about the shadow of a great rock, Isaiah 32, 2. And um, um, we talked about declawing the, the dragons. And we talked about um, Joshua twenty four twenty seven about how that a stone could record a message. 
and 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 it can be connected to uh, our teachings on the energy dot effect. Um, so, the image that fell down from Jupiter, uh, the goddess Diana, we talked about that. I gave you the scripture uh, last week, but now I also gave it to you earlier uh, a little bit ago. Acts 19, 35 through 37. And um, uh, we, um, we, are, we, we, we are really, you know, coming to understand uh, like like the different names, like the Egyptian name for Saturn, the planet Saturn, was uh, Remphan, R-E-M-P-H-A-N. And uh, those those things are not minor. They, they've got to be understood. We, we showed this incredible scripture. Uh, God throws down the rocks, the asteroids. He throws down the asteroids. And, uh, and Nahum, one, um, uh, and that's N-A, H-U-M, Nahum, 1, 5 through 6. And um, we showed that Moloch was connected to this, to this, this whole thing about uh, the Saturn revelation and Astoreth, uh, the, queen, the, the, the queen of heaven, uh, which is all connected, going all the way back to Nimrod. And it, it's just, uh, we, connect, we also showed the revelation uh, just... In a scratch, I won't be getting into that today, but of the Sela rock revelation, and we showed that there was a, a temple into uh, uh, Artemis, uh, our our uh, Artemis rather, and uh, this was uh, in Ephesian uh, uh, areas, and uh, that there was a mythology that was really really big also about the daughter of Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter being looked at as a chief god, and uh, uh, we show that this temple, um, uh, Artemis, was once one of the seven wonders of the world. So the, these are big things. They're not small. They're major. Uh, we know there's things coming down. There, there was the wormwood that is described as going to come and poison the waters. That has many meanings. Revelations 8, 10 through 12. Um, Scriptures about the image, uh, a stone that uh, that fell from heaven, Acts 19:35 again, uh, the sacred stone, uh, the the uh, uh, you know the 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 different uh, different translations, the CJB, the ESV, the GNT, the HNV, the KJV, the CSB, that they all have the similar thing about the image or the stone that that comes down from heaven. And um, we, uh, you know, we can't look at that that lightly. Even with the Muslims, <clears throat> they have the black stone that they they definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, give credence to, uh, and they have that in Mecca and where they go to worship. So those things are not are not uh, uh, just to be taken. Uh, without some really deep consideration. Okay, now, one of the things that is very important for everybody to realize that um, if you don't understand the ancientness of the world, the ancientness that goes back even before time, then you will truly not understand the Bible in the fullest message that it has. You will be looking at the Bible 
through the, through the glass darkly. You'll be looking at the Bible with the veil over you uh, that hides the message in the face and, and, and the spoken word of the Holy Spirit. It, it is hidden because of the veil. And God <clears throat> wants to reveal the importance. Uh, in Proverbs twenty two twenty eight, it says, Remove not the ancient landmarks. There are ancient landmarks like this thing of the, of, the, of the veil over the face of Moses and what the really meaning of the message is. As I explained to you how that, that in one instance it seems like uh, Moses is speaking face to face with God. In another instance it's saying it's absolutely not anything that you can do. You would, you would die if you did. Um, <clears throat> but then we begin uh, to see that what it was really saying the first time was it was talking about the the face of God message, and 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 being able to speak, uh, you know, like a friend speaks to another in in a language. In other words, that that, that you can understand the me the message coming to you in a language that you can understand is very very important, and and uh, so those are landmarks, and and you don't want to to. Uh, to destroy him because um, as history is revealed, you will begin to understand, wow, now I understand the importance of this landmark because this was, you know, a, a demarcation uh, as own and, and uh, there's certain things that happened at this point and, and God moving by his spirit moved from uh, one uh, um, uh, dimension to another or from from one uh, zone of time to, to another. <clears throat> and uh, uh, those things are, are uh, beautiful to understand. Uh, we're going to look at some scriptures. Uh, turn with me to the book of Isaiah 40, uh, uh, verse, uh, chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44. <clears throat> I have quite a, few, uh, quite a few scriptures actually to read today. And we just, they just have to be read because... Uh, they're just um, so important. So when we look at um, <clears throat> Isaiah 44, 7, um, you know, uh, here, here's, here's what it says. And who as I shall call and shall declare it and set it in order for me since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. Now, if we want to know the future, the things that are coming. God has appointed uh, those people that are in the column of having ancient understanding. They're in the column of having ancient insight. And they are the, they are the uh, you know, destinata who are the ancient-minded uh, people. And uh, that is uh, so very important. Look at, um, at Revelations uh, 45, 21. And uh, it says, uh, tell me and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient times? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord and there is no God besides me? A just God and a Savior, there is none besides me. Now, the Bible is clear. The evidence is sensational that there has been declarations made anciently. And these ancient uh, uh, revelations are declarations, <clears throat> and they're from God. 
And they're messages that God wants his people to know. And he wants them to understand. Wow. Now let's look at, at uh, uh, Isaiah 46, chapter 9 and 10. Isaiah 46, chapter 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old. Now God is saying, you can't forget these things of old. There are ancient things that belong to the Alpha Ages. And if you take away the Alpha, alpha Ages, you are cutting in half the revelation of God. Because God is the beginning and the end. And, and these two revelations are absolutely essential to fulfill the circuit revelation of, of God. And so, in verse 9 of chapter 46 of Isaiah, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Now listen to this, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasures. How do we understand what the future is going to be? How do we understand way, way ahead of, 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 of the time? It says it right here. It says declaring the end from the beginning. You can't know anything about the end unless you understand it from the beginning. It's the Alpha that, that revelates the understanding of the Omega. So you'll never understand the Omega revelation unless you know the Alpha revelation. And it says it, and I'm reading it to you, in, in verse 10 of chapter 46 of the book of Isaiah, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, Things that have not even happened yet are revealed in ancient times. Things that have not even been revealed yet are revealed in, in things of the ancient histories. And it's all got to do with the counsel of God, which God says, that counsel is going to stand. I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to uh, take it away. Now, look at Isaiah 51 verse 9. Isaiah 51, verse 9. Okay. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Now, one thing there you want to understand is the parallel between days and generations. And, and because people miss this understanding of days and generations having, equi having an equivalency, which equivalency, don't lose your place here in Isaiah, but is, is clearly pronounced in the second chapter of Genesis. Because in the second chapter of Genesis, <coughs> in the fourth verse, after it mentions the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days, it then says these, meaning those seven days, are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and earth. So it is very clear that, re that generations and day have an equivalency. And, and unless a, a person understands that and you get lost in, in the, the finite aspect of the meaning of day instead of the enlarged spiritual dimension of the meaning of day, like in Peter where it says, with God, with the Lord, a day is a thousand years, equal to a thousand years. So a thousand years would equal what one day is. Well, a thousand years happens to also be a term for generation 
which is, is also the term and the number that represents uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, when you miss this understanding, when you miss this insight, when you are deprived of that knowledge, you can't put together the roots of the Bible. You can't put together the incredible um, uh, mysteries. Uh, they just remain entangled. And, and, and you are curfewed uh, from having the time uh, to, of life to be able to find these things because uh, you don't understand that except they are quickened by the Spirit, uh, you will never have time with all the sleep that you need, with all the eating that you must do, with, with all the working that you must do to really find the mysteries of God. But if the Holy Spirit quickens you, then these things can be instantaneous and spontaneous. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, so uh, let me just take a fast peek at something and see whether or not I want to read this one particular scripture I'm looking at here. Uh, just one jiffy. Oh, blessed be the name of God. <clears throat> oh, no, I, I, that, we'll save that for later. Okay, let's look at uh, Jeremiah 18.15. Jeremiah 18.15. And let's see what uh, Jeremiah has to say about this very important subject. Okay, Jeremiah 18.15. Because thy people hath forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity. They have caused them uh, to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths to walk in paths in a way not cast up. So there are things that people have licensed themselves to, that people have bound themselves to. They have franchised themselves in such idioticies that they are in a constant stumble as regards what is truth and reality. And they are not walking in paths that have been cast up. There is a, a, a mystery here of how that there's ancient information. And, and when a person wants to know the future, you have, you have that ancient path, that ancient message, and, and by the Holy Spirit to be cast up so that you can read that message, you can understand by the Spirit that message. And so when you do come to understand that message, it stops you from stumbling because that message is cast up from the, from the great, great, great ancient past. That is such a beautiful revelation. Okay, let's look at Ezekiel uh, 36.2. Ezekiel 36.2. Um, in one of the recent uh, blogs that I, I did, I talk about the high places of the mind. Uh, that blog is called The Revenge of the Angels. And by the way, just so that you know, uh, when we put that on just a few days ago, somehow by accident, the um, unedited uh, uh, blog was put on. It still, you know, was readable and it still was great to read and had, had the information in it, but it didn't have all the scriptures. It didn't have all of, of the revelation, uh, but the one that is now on is the edited, uh, you know, uh, ed edited edition of the um, 
Revenge of the Angels. And if you haven't read that, <laughs> come on, get into it, because it's ancient stuff. <clears throat> There's a message there. The face of God is shining there. And so the Re Re Revenge of the Angels, the latest edited version, is now on instead of the unedited. So blessed be the name of God. Okay, here, here we go. Uh, let's, uh, let's, keep, let's keep this, uh, this sh uh, ship on the road. Uh, uh, it's, it's just uh, very, very great to be in the camp of God. Okay, we're going into Ezekiel 36.2. And we're going to read that. And there's a message, so many messages in the, in the Bible. Thus saith the Lord God, because the enemy hath, hath said against you, Aha! Even the ancient high places are ours in possession. But I don't have the time to read this whole scripture. But verse 8 through verse 11 makes it really clear that the forces of darkness have desired to have the high places. They symbolically, metaphorically, have put idols in physical high places to represent those high places of insight and of the mind. But God says that he's not allowing, allowing these high places to be given up. He has reserved them for God's people. And uh, <clears throat> those mountaintops experiences, uh, he intends to keep for his people, as you'll read in these other scriptures. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, that was Ezekiel 36, verse 2. And then you can also read uh, verses 8, uh, 10, and 11. All right. Now, let's, let's look at Daniel 7. And let's, uh, this is such a, a beautiful, it always has been an intriguing, uh, you know, a thing to me, this particular uh, reading. And I, I love it. It's it really, really, really neat. Um, uh, continue uh, Daniel 7, 9, okay? And here, here is, uh, here, here is uh, what it says. Uh, so, so, so beautifully written. Okay, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. Now, <clears throat> in the other verse, we talked about something being cast up. Sometimes something that is cast down is equal to something that is cast up. Because what we are talking about is something that is incredibly ancient and incredibly deep and incredibly awesome as a landmark. But it is way beyond the knowledge and the mind of the human masses. So to get that to a place where the human masses can understand it, it has to be cast down. Then the next thing that happens is it has to be cast up to their understanding. And, and, and to their uh, being capable of an insight as to what the message of the face-to-face -face, uh, outside of the a veil means. So both aspects are there in this word. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit. 
Now, unless people understand this, unless people get this in their minds, unless people hunger and thirst for the breath of God to breathe on them this message, they're going to be lonely soldiers who have lost their backpack, lost their food pack, and lost their arms of spiritual weaponry wandering in the dry and desert plain. This message of the Ancient of Days coming down to where we are, like Moses had Yahweh come down to where he was, to the tabernacle that was put outside of where the people were, were in tents living. It separated, separated the tabernacle from the camp. And the Lord came down in Shekinah glory. And that's what we've got, this incredible revelation about the ancientness. Coming down. Coming down so that people can receive it and can understand it. That takes away from any person that says, it's too much for me, I just can't understand that. No, no, don't you say that. Because the Bible says through Jesus Christ we can do all things. And that includes being able to know all things. Because the Bible says if the Holy Spirit will bring your mind to remembrance, so the Holy Spirit can empower you to learn and to know and to understand and to have wisdom and knowledge operating in you in a, in a, a way uh, beyond your capability, but not beyond the Spirit of God to endow you with that ability so that you can understand it on the ground where you stand. And so the revelation of the future is the throne of ancientness coming down. That's the revelation of the future. And it says in verse 9, His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as a burning fire. The wheels, there's so many different meanings of that in the 30, 60, 100 fold, but the wheels are circuits. And we'll see in another scripture in Psalms 19, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll make a reference to, that if I, reference to that if I have time. We'll see how that this circuit moves through the Alpha and the Omega. If you don't have the Alpha, <coughs> there is no circuit to get into the Omega. You have to have, you have to have the whole connection. <coughs> Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of the living God. All right. So... <clears throat> a little bit clogged up today. That's all right. We won't let it stop us. So, <clears throat> interestingly, within the constituency of this Daniel 7, verse 9, revelation of the Ancient of Days, 
Verse 10 mentions the fiery stream that issues and comes forth from before them. And, and, and there, there are destinata. There are thousands times tens of thousands. <clears throat> and this is what is going to open the books and allow you to, to, to pass the test of the book of life. Now we notice something that is still contained within the continuum of this revelation in verse 13. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Now, you, you know who that, this is? This is talking about <coughs> the Ancient of Days, the Father and, and, the, and, and, and his Son, who's Christ, the clouds of heaven are the clouds of, of his glory. And he comes to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion, given the, the Son <coughs> of God, <coughs> given him dominion, and a kingdom. And all the people and the nations should serve his dominion as an everlasting dominion. It shall not pass away as kingdom which shall not be destroyed. Wow. And that's another subject. We won't get into that today. Uh, turn with me um, to um, uh, well, in verse just um, I should mention in the same chapter, in in chapter uh, seven of Daniel, uh, verse nine, and these and and then also uh, through ten, and then to thirteen. Then you could go to to uh, uh, twenty one and twenty two. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came. Now, one of the things that the church world is going to have to learn, one of the things that the people who are striving to find the will of God are going to have to learn is that the horn, the power of the principality of darkness, is going to prevail against against you unless you are connected to both the Alpha Revelation as well as the Omega Revelation. And so the Bible is very clear here. There's going to be people that are going to be defeated. They're going to be conquered. They're going to be overwhelmed because they are into a limited revelation and they cannot stand before the forces of the horn, the power of the principalities of darkness with that limited revelation. They've got to have a full-scale revelation, and that full-scale revelation has got to incorporate the times, time, the time, times, and a, and a half times. It's got to incorporate the, 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 the generations. It's got to incorporate the ancientness and all of the messages that have been given and, and, and sent from the face of God and sent and oratized into the faces of God's people. And those messages are still landmarks, and they're still out there, and they're still available to be read and understood. Wow. Verse 21, I beheld the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints. <laughs> wow. So, ladies and gentlemen, this message of the ancient revelation about 
the Bible, about God, about you, about the things that happened before you, about the things that happened that are absolutely prophetic of what is going to happen in the future. You have to know this. This is part of the incredible plan of God. Now, we want to uh, we want to get in some really incredible revelation here that uh, is going to shock some of you people. Um, there's um, just no no missing that that boat. But what we want to show you today, and we want you to buckle your seatbelt, is something that is going to be so different, so contrary to what the average church thinks and understands, church persons, that at first it may just shock you. But you have to understand this, that the reason people don't have the whole story and the whole truth and nothing but the whole truth is because they are not connected to the ancient reality. They are only connected to the modern reality and a little teeny bit of dip into a modern history that goes back historically a little ways. Now, <clears throat> Judges 5.21 talks about an ancient river. And there's quite an incredible story and it's well worth getting into because it has, it has a message. So turn with me to the book of Judges. And we'll look at the, uh, the fifth chapter. And we'll read here. Revelations 5.21 The river of Kishon swept them away. That ancient river, the river Kishon, O my soul, thou hast trodden down strength. But just before that, the incredible verse, verse 20. And they fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. This understanding is so important. There was a lady by the name of Deborah, it mentions her in chapter one, verse, chapter five, verse one, and she was a prophetess. And these Israelites were afraid; they were they they were they were very afraid uh, because there were armies out there that were threatening to take them as slaves and to kill a bunch of them. And uh, these armies were uh, really well, well prepared. And they were modern armies of their day. <clears throat> and what these people needed to, to survive was something miraculous. Well, someone might have said, we need to discover some new weapon, some futuristic weapon. We need to, well, hey, that's great, but you haven't got time. The enemy's outside the gate. His chariots, his armies, 
They're ready to kill, destroy, and take prisoner. So what you really need to do is you need to go into the ancient river of time. You need to understand from the ancientness of God. Because just like I, I read to you how that these saints of God were being defeated by this horn of saint and horn of darkness until the ancient of days did set. We have a similar situation here. These people were, were about to be totally defeated and, and taken as prisoners <clears throat> until they got into, through the prophetess Deborah, Deborah, they got into the revelation of the ancient of, of, of days. And it says, and they sought, they, they fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. Now Sisera, he was the king of, of, of this army. And uh, <clears throat> he was not a nice man. But he had 900 chariots of iron that he had brought against the children of Israel to defeat them. And in chapter 4 of Judges, they come to the prophetess Deborah and they say, what are we going to do? Sisera is going to destroy us. And in verse 7 of chapter 4, she says, I will draw, and this she's speaking by the Holy Spirit of God, I will draw unto, I will draw unto, unto thee the river Kaishan. Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, I will deliver him unto thy hand. Here's something that who could ever believe it? Who could ever conceive it? But something is going to happen that's going to like magnetize, like draw these people into this, this ancient river. And they are going to be destroyed in that ancient river. And there's 900 chariots of iron and a powerful army. And we get a better understanding when we get over to verse chapter 5. And we read verse 20. And they fought from heaven. Well, you just take that they fought from heaven <coughs> and put that later in the sentence and read it like the stars in their courses. They fought from heaven. They fought against Sisera. And now we see these stars, which is a, they are symbolically representative of angels. But it's very, very important that they are called stars. Because stars makes them part of the universe. And makes them part of an ancient, ancient history. Because stars have been around a long, long time. And they're very, very, very old and ancient. And so when you explain an angel... <coughs> symbolically being called a star. 
then you are really getting that message from under the veil about the the ancientness of their reality and the ancientness of their knowledge and the ancientness of their wisdom and the ancientness of their power and how that they have the power to cause this whole army of 900 chariots of Sisera to be drawn into the river Kashan Sisera and his army. Wow. Wow. Well, in verse 23 of chapter 5, it talks about Kershi uh, Meros, said the angel of the Lord. Kershi, bitterly the inhabitants thereof. We see that involved in this whole thing is this incredible revelation of these angels, which are the stars. And they are anciently represented by being represented as stars. Wow. Wow. These stories go on and on and on. Like in chapter 6 of Judges, verse 21, the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up a fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of sight. These angels, these servants, of the Most High God are involved by ancient revelation. Well, there's a lot of misunderstanding about the river Kishon. What people don't know is that there actually were two rivers called Kishon. And one river flowed west to the Mediterranean and emptied into the Mediterranean. But the other river flowed east. It was an eastern river and flowed into the Jordan. And so when historians and some people go and they, they look back in the history of this, they have consternation because they don't know the history. They don't know how, how that uh, there's things that have happened that have made all these things a result of the, of, the, of the work of the angels. But listen to this. This is so absolutely fascinating. So fascinating. If you will look in your concordance under 6917, the Hebrew concordance, and you'll see that when you look up the word Kishan, instead of it being called a river, it's just called ancient. So the ancient and Kishan 
basically mean the same thing. So this ancientness is a really a message. Now, there are all of these other um, parts of, of the concordance that come from different numbered uh, uh, definitions that belong to the root of this word Kishan, ancient, which is in 69.17. And it, and it is a part, actually, it says, of, of the 69.23 definition, which is from the Hebrew, and um, it means to proceed. It also means, as in the explanation and connection to 69.23, of 29.30, it means Eastern. And 29.33 is also connected to 69.23, which is connected to 6917, and it means first. And 2934 means present of God, the presence of God, and it is connected to 6923, which is connected to 6917. So all of these, these different definitions that are connected to 6923, which is connected to 6917, and we're talking the concordance numbers of the Hebrew Dictionary of Strong's Concordance, are also from 6924, which means aforetime, past, East, E-A-S-T, being a part of 6924 and 6926, meaning East. Now that's interesting that this particular ancient river has the revelation of the East, because you have, in our teachings that we've done in the Manifest, the Garden East and the Garden West. And we've shown and proved that in the the verses that show the eastern part of the garden, you can't have an east without having a west. And then we, we therefore have this incorporation of these two rivers. Two rivers. One that flows into the Mediterranean and one that flows into Lake Tiberias. Well, someone says, Lake Tiberius, what is that? Well, Tiberius is named after the, the city or the town that was built on the shore of Galilee. And this was one of the offsprings of, of one of the Roman uh, governments and powers. I've done a teaching on it. We won't go through it again. And so Lake uh, Tiberius is just another name for the Sea of Galilee. So there are these two different rivers. 
and we're going to we're going to really get into something here. And there are stories, important stories. Now, there is a verse in the book of Hebrews eleven one that says, "Faith is the substance, the evidence of things not seen." And so, what we're talking about today is the evidence of things not seen. There are all kinds of things that can't be seen because they're underneath the veil. There are all kinds of things that cannot be seen because they're hidden in a glass darkly. But God is bringing forth the evidence of those things not seen. And that's what these messages about are about. The evidence of things not seen described in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, what we start getting into is something very unusual. And that is that as it's described it in the book of Ephesians, I think it's 6.15, that flesh and blood is not the thing. Don't get worried about that. What you really got to be concerned about is the powers of darkness and the powers of light. These are the two forces. This is part of the ancient revelation. We know that in Revelations 11.15 that the Bible says at this point the kingdom of Satan the kingdoms of Satan became the kingdoms of God and the Lord Christ reigned. So we know that prior to that event these kingdoms of Satan were controlled by Satan and then it wasn't only until late in the revelation of the book of Revelation that those kingdoms are finally taken away and become the kingdom of God through, and through Jesus Christ. Well, how far back does this thing of, of, of Satan go? Well, we've been preaching it. We've been telling you that it goes back to these planets, to Mars, to Saturn. We've been telling you it goes back to the, to the age of the, of the dinosaurs that Satan was involved with all of that. Well, turn with me to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the earth. Now, when you call something the earth, the earth means our planet. It means more than just dirt or land, although earth does incorporate and include meaning dry land. But that's not all that it means. It, it means the gravity. It means the land and the oceans. It means the history, the mountains, the trees, the vines, the, the whole story of what earth is. But here we have the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face 
of the deep. We know that in the book of Revelations, it tells us that there is a time in which Satan was and is yet to be given the key to a bottomless pit. That means a piece of real estate that has no limits of foundation potential. No limits of space potential. And that's described in the ninth chapter of Revelations. The fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven uh, unto the earth and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and there arose smoke out of the pit, smoke of the great furnace, the sun, the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. There came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And verse 11, and they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. Back to Genesis. Now we're talking about a situation here in which the earth, and in the manifest translation, it talks about that the earth had been without form, form and void, and there was a causation for this. And let's look at this darkness as being the principles of the, the powers of darkness of Satan. That while he's the covering angel, involved in the creations, put in charge of the, of the openings, while the, the leadership and 144,000 uh, 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 special angels are involved in, in, in spiriting creation, that he's also mixing up the signals to create what he wants to create. And this whole earth plan, this whole plan of inhabiting the earth and, and, and there being people that would inhabit the earth who had souls who would get a chance to be uh, restored of their, from their fallen estate. It's been mumble-jumbled up. And the plan's been made void. And this darkness that belongs to the principality of darkness has caused that and covers the face of the deep. And that's the same description of what Lucifer in the ninth chapter has the keys to. And so something had to happen from the spiritual side. And the Spirit, capital S, of God moved upon the face of the waters. Well, the face of the waters is also the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And this particular word for light is aura light, is spiritual light. It is not the same word as in the uh, later uh, verses, verse 16, and God made two great lights. That's a different, those are different words because they're talking about literal planet 
physical light. So now, when we get into this ancientness, we have to get into this understanding that it goes way, way back from the beginning of time. So what was going on? Well, let me show you what was going on in the second chapter of Genesis. Chapter 2, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heaven and the earth. Made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb, now it did say every, every plant of the field. It did say every herb before it grew. And there was no man available to tell the ground. This is before all of that. So what was going on here? What was going on, ladies and gentlemen, was the creation that was first taken place was a virtual reality. So all the plants were being created virtually. All of the creations that would ever be on the earth were being created virtually. And this was a massive, incredible plan that no computer that is available on the earth today, including the, the largest computer in the world that China has, and the military complex uh, a computer that China doesn't know about to the extent that the United States has. They would not be able to keep up with this volume of information. It was way beyond anything that's available today. But this was all being created as in the virtual reality before it would be put or planted into a literal reality. And so Lucifer, Satan, not Satan yet, but Lucifer, who becomes Satan, is putting in all these plans, including the dinosaurs, the dragons. There's a plan for there to be a garden east. But it cannot leave out that there's also a garden west. There's a plan for the tree of life. But it cannot leave out the plan that there's also the tree of good and evil knowledge. Side by side, practically, with the tree of life. The power of the principalities of light, the power of the principalities of darkness. The directions, the location, the eastern garden. Kashan, the river of time. The western garden. Kashan, another river of time. But they flow into two different plans. It's quite incredible. In fact, it's like Genesis 1.14. That he made, a, he made day... And he separated it from the darkness. He didn't eradicate. There, there could be a situation where there was light all the time and it never would be dark. But God didn't do that because that isn't the apropos, that isn't the alpha omega uh, means and way of dealing with 
the eradication of darkness. Because here we're talking about high-ranking individuals. So Lucifer isn't just one person. He's co-owned, so he's a mini-one. And no angel could co-own with him because he's, he's an archangel unless they were equal and reached the point of an equal status to be in an arch, archangel. So he has all these incredibly uh, uh, um, large number of co-owned uh, cherubim angels because Lucifer is a cherubim. And they are co-owned to him. They become one with his spirit. And is that a powerful thing? You could be sure that it is. Because you could have 10,000 angels that were not co-owned angels. And they wouldn't be as powerful as just even one co-owned angel because every one of those had the power of an archangel. Because they had to have that e equality before they could be co-owned. And that's true with all of the other, Michael or Gabriel, any angel that's co-owned with them has to have that, uh, has to have obtained being equal to an archangel in order to co-own. And that's a method uh, a heavenly method that allows people that have reached the same plateau as the leadership to not be left out because there's an ever-living ever leadership. They just become part of it so that they're equal to it. But then you've got all of these co-owned angels who are equal to archangels. And you could take 10,000 regular angels and they wouldn't even stand a chance against one archangel. So you have to understand how powerful that this co-owned group of angels, of which the Bible says in the 12th chapter of Revelations, that Lucifer and his angels were cast down to earth. Now there are things historically in the past that happened with the tectonic plates, the opening of the Great Rift, that had a huge effect on the area over by, the, by, the, uh, by Jordan that went down to the, to the part of, of Galilee. You might read some of those things. Psalms 107, 33 through 38. We're dealing here with the evidence of things not seen. People would not have been able to see this making of all this creations as described in the second chapter here. All these plants, all these herbs, every one of them. It had to include a whole timetable. Plants that would, that, that would, that would become, become non-existence, become extinct but other plants that would take their place. It had to be the whole story. It's a whole world, historical world, of, of, of evolving and, and, and of latolution. And it was all in this plan. So then is it a simple thing to go in and just tear that up 
and, and reconstruct it? No, it's not. That's why one day, the Bible says that this earth will just die from old age. It's, it, it, will, it will just be like, like cloth or, or blankets or things being folded. And it will just die of, of, of old age. And that's why in the 14th chapter of the book of, of St. John, that Jesus said, I'm taking you and I prepared a place for you, that where I am you may be also. He said, because in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go there to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. On that planet, on that place of the Father's house, the old son, that is the son for this planet Earth, will not even be able to hardly be seen. It'll be out of the... It'll have, it'll have nothing to do with giving light on, the, on that planet. It'll have nothing to do with giving heat on that planet. Photosynthesis will have nothing to do with it on, on that planet, the Father's house. Wow. Wow. There's a song that says... None other has ever known. Sort of like that, I come to the garden alone. He walks with me, he talks with me. Tells me all these wonderful things that none other has ever known. We have books like Proverbs. And Proverbs actually mean oracle. I actually mean oracle utterances requiring interpretation. Not translation. Translation and interpretation are two different things. Wow. Wow. The evidence of things not seen. That's what we're talking about. That's what the revelation is about. That's what God is wanting us to, to come into. Hebrews 11.1 1. The evidence of things not seen. That's what God is revealing today through manifest realization. What's the word manifest mean? To bring to light. And the Spirit moved upon the waters. And God said, let there be light. That's a manifest happening. Wow. Now this next thing here, you need your safety belts on. This is going to flip nut you. But it's true and it's real. How many people, when they've thought about the, the cherubim angels that are on the Ark of the Covenant, how many people have thought those angels have to really be so super holy because they're put into the holy place? And only a few persons were ever allowed to go into the holy place because God was going to commune, commune in between the angels. In between them. What's going on here? What does that mean? A whole lot more than what people have any idea. Let's look at Exodus 25. We've got to move because I want to get this part in. Exodus 25. Now, here's what it says. Verse 17. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold 
two cubit, cubits and a half shall, it, shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. Thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end, and the other cherub on the other end, even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. Their faces shall look at one another. Toward the mercy seat shall, be the, faces of the, uh, shall the faces of the cherubim be. Thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark, and in the ark, sh ark thou shalt put the testimony that I give thee. And there I will meet with thee and will commune with thee above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. And you know what? This is not anything like what people think it is. It's different. It's different. And when I show this to you, you're going to see how it ties in with our teachings. teachings, And how important it is for this ancient revelation to get known. Now, we talked about the East Garden and the West Garden. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, so he drove the man he placed in the, at the east of the Garden of Eden. And cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every which way to keep the tree of life. Cherubims. Plural. Now there's something special about this word cherubim with an S. Because the word cherubim without the S is a plural word. But it's a special designation when you put an S on a plural word. And I don't think I have time to get into that, but I will eventually. Lord willing. Now let's go back over to Exodus 25. Now when we, we look up something here that's very, very revelatory and very, very important. Verse 18. And thou shalt make two cherubims of, of gold. Once again, cherubims. S, although the word cherubim is also plural. A beaten gold. Because there's a designation here of two ki different kinds. That's why we got the S on it. I do not say that that term cannot be used in other ways. A beaten work shalt thou make it in the two ends of the mercy seat. The word ends. Keep it in mind. Make one cherub on the one end and another cherub on the other end. Each of the mercy seat. Now this word ends is a very unusual word. And it's in the Strong's Concordance as number 7098. It's only used this one time under the word end, E-N-D, without the S. And, and it means... It means lowest to the uttermost. So we have 
like outside and we have inside in the, in the meaning of this. Because as we look at the references from 7098, it goes to 7097, to 7093, to 7094. Let's say that again. 7098 is connected to 7097, to 7093, and to 7094. And what do some of those, those words mean? 7097, like it's outside and inside. The most part standing for the inside. And the less part standing for the outside, which connects to 7098, lowest to the uttermost. There's a difference between these two angels. Each is on one end. So these ends are something. So in 7093, it talks about the extremity. They are at two different extremities. And then in 7094, it shows an unusual purpose that's involved in this. To clip, to chop. In other words, to separate. There is part of a plan for all of this. Someone says, well, how could that be? This is a holy place. Well, there's the holy and there's the most holy. Even uh, cows are sometimes called holy cows. And they're sacrificed as, as made holy because they've been chosen and anointed for a sacrifice. But that doesn't make a cow equal to being the most holy, which they are not. Now, what are we getting to at here? We are getting at when you look at the at the at the the chest at the ark. What's put into it? The commandments. And what do you have in the commandments? You have the blessings and the curse. You have the two the two commandments: love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The blessings. That's only a part. Uh, that was allowed to be in there that was on the first tables of stone. Then the rest was that was made visible became part of the curse. If you do this, you'll die. If you do that, you'll be punished. So you got the curse and the blessings. And you cannot see underneath those curses the invisible word, because you have to have the evidence. You have to have the evidence. And without that evidence, the evidence of the invisible, then you're just blind to it. There, there's a veil there. And so beneath that veil, in the way that it was written, come out these other curse commandments. If you do this, you're cursed. If you do that, you're cursed. And then the ark can be for life, but it can also be for death. It was also used for war, to go out and to be involved in war and to bring death upon the enemy. So it, it represents both a dark side and a, and a, and a, and a, a spiritually white side. 
And now you've got these two cherubim, and one right in the, the, is in an extremity. And it represents something that is outside the most holy. And it is incredible. It's an incredible thing. But these extremities are found in all kinds of examples. And God will give us the time here. We'll try, to, we'll try to cover it. Blessed be the name of God. For instance, let's see, let's go real fast to Exodus 28. And let's look in Exodus 28 of something very, very, very interesting. Exodus 28, 23. Here we go. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate two rings of gold, two cherubims, two rings of gold. And thou shalt put the two rings on the two ends. And we come back to the same word, the 1798, only the first one was just singular. This is plural. But it still has the same meaning. Lowest to the uttermost. The extremities. So on the very breastplate, these two rings on two ends of the breastplate. And thou shalt put the two uh, wreathen chains of gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two, two ends of the two wreathen uh, uh, chains thou shalt fasten in the two pouches and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it and thou shalt make two rings of gold and thou shalt put them on the two ends of the breastplate on the border thereof which is in the side of the ephod inward again you have inside you have outside and there's, there's more scripture for this, but that particular scripture is Exodus 28, verse 23, 24, 25, and 26. Then there's Exodus 37. And Exodus 37, 7 is another interesting verse. And it says, And he made two cherubims of gold, Beaten out of one piece, he made them on the two ends of the mercy seat. That's that same, that same number, 7098. Same thing. So, what I want to get into, but I, 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 don't, I won't do it today. I want to finish this subject next week on the cherubim and the mercy seat. And you know, I told you about a couple of weeks ago about the, the cherubims and the, and the flaming sword. Explain that as being like the rod, the staff of, of Satan. Like Jesus said, I saw Satan come down as lightning, like that's the lightning rod. And there's many other verses. So neat. And then I want to take you into 
things of revelation you must know to understand the Bible. And I'm going to get into a revelation of ancient time in a deeper way that will absolutely be astounding. And all these things go back to Nimrod. The dark dawn of Babylon. Follower of Belzebub, Lord of the Flyers. And we'll make that connection again so that you can really understand what the message is beyond the shadow of a question of a doubt. And how that there has always been the, the episode, the metaphor of these two forces going back to all the beginning of the, of the earth. They've always been represented. Even in the religious aspect, you can't leave them out. Say, oh, I absolutely can. No, you can't. When you come to stand before God, you have flesh that cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not capable to just come before God with your spirit only because you are bound in the Tartaru of this body. So there you come when you pray, when you praise, when you come to church, when you stand in the Holy of the Holies. There you are. How dependent you are on being able to hear the, the shining of the face of God. How dependent you are on needing to know the ancient things that's going to reveal more about the past and more about the future. And a deeper understanding of all these things that without understanding them, you're lost, you're alone. You're without the landmark, you're without the map. Dear people, God bless you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. Father, reach out today all the people that are listening to this message and endow them with this understanding. Endued upon them the power of the Holy Spirit and heal them that are sick. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen.